0: above all names and we've been looking out of exodus chapter 34 over the period of this of this series and today we're going to look at another aspect of god of what this passage in exodus chapter 34 reveals to us about god and some of the things we can look at today is how can i know god loves me what do i do when i don't feel his love what do i do when I don't feel love for God, has that love fundamentally changed your relationships? So let's, let's talk about it and back it up and think about it this way. How many of you guys or girls, let's say this, as you were growing up in middle school or high school, you had a poster on your wall of some boy band or something that you just idolized? Anybody willing to, like, uh, I see some... There we go. All right. Some that you just, you know, you're one of those crazy girls that was screaming at the concerts because of, you know, whatever the boy band was at the time. All right, we'll flip it around on the guys now. How many of you guys had a wall of sports athletes that you just loved to death, that you just, you know, they are the greatest people in the world? All right, several of you. All right, raising your hand. I know we got some... some uh, Cubs and Bears fans in here today. My wife asked me the question about the Gators a little while back. Gators had a bad football season. Um, and so I struggled, struggled on Saturday evenings, some, some nights. God had to prepare work in my heart to get me ready for Sundays um, on Saturday evenings. But Rachel asked me the question, and this question is so relevant for us today. She would say, have the Gators ever loved you back? I'm ask you. Those boy bands that you idolized or those athletes that you just loved, did they ever love you back? No. Most of them didn't even know you existed, much less loved you back. And I think one of the most mind-blowing things about God is that we have this creator of the universe who needs nothing and never will, putting us putting himself in a position to love people who will not love him back. Think about that with God. He's put himself in that position. He loves every single person who walks upon the face of this earth. So he's put himself in a position to love people who will not love them back. And he does it when he really has no reason to. Understanding that one thing about God can change your life. We've had this quote that we've looked at every part of or every week of our our series from A.W. Tozer. And it said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'm going to keep driving this home in this series. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He went on with that quote, and he said, We tend by a secret law of the soul to move more toward our mental image of God. The most determining fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. How you see God determines more about your, relo- your life and your relationships more than anything else. If you see God as angry or distant, you will feel fearful and insecure. If you see God as some angry tyrant, it will lead you to become some intolerant, hateful person. When you and I come to know God and his love, it will give you a joy and a freedom and a fullness that will redefine all of your relationships and transform you into a loving person, the kind of person that you have always wanted to be. Our deepest longing is for love. How do we know that? Listen to our songs on the radio. The movies coming out of Hollywood. The theme in almost every movie has something to do with love. Love songs are probably the most popular genre on the radio. Let's go to our our passage in Exodus chapter 34. As we've looked at each week. As Moses is on the mountain, remember, I'll give you just the brief high-level overview. The children of Israel have left Egypt out of slavery. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're on their way to the Promised Land. They're camped out at the bottom of the mountain. Moses, their leader, goes up to the mountain. He's there with God. God gives him the Ten Commandments. And Moses has this request of God, of God, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And God tells him, no one can see my face and live but here's what i'll do i'll put you in the cleft of the rock and as i pass by my hand will cover your face and you will see basically the back trail of my glory verse 5 of exodus chapter 34 the lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the lord the lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. The one element that I think dominates verses six and seven that we just looked at, It is this element, this idea of love that God presents here. It's like this many-faceted diamond that we can see. Let's look at each one of these dimensions of this love. He says, merciful and gracious. At first, that might sound a little redundant when you think about both of those words, merciful and gracious. It's like saying something's repetitive, but... Merciful and gracious, the Hebrew words have just a slight distinction to them. And let me show you how this is significant. The the word mercy is a feeling of compassion, that compassionate feeling. The word gracious is about the action you take when you feel that compassion. So you have the feeling part, which is the mercy, and then you have the action part, which is the graciousness. You You follow what's happening here. God felt his people's pain, and then he acted on their behalf. The mercy, the graciousness. He saw us in our pain and in our sin, and he had to do something about it. The mercy and the graciousness. Another part he says here in this verse, telling us about God. We're learning about God in these verses 6 and 7. This is God telling himself about himself to us. This is what's so great about it. It says he's slow to anger. His love does not preclude his anger, but it makes him slow to it. God was rightfully angry at our sin, but his love overcame his anger and saved us because his love for us exceeds his hatred over our sin. Let me explain it this way. When you really love someone or something, it demands that you get angry at certain things. If you really love your kids, you get angry at things that you see that are harming them. Or maybe things in their life that you know will destroy them as a parent because why you love your child and you want to protect them think about it in that way people say oh how you know God is love is that as if that means he never gets angry or judges sin God is angry at sin because he loves you His love is a purifying love desiring not only goodness in himself but also in those in whom he loves. So his love does not preclude anger at sin but it does make him slow to it because he loves us as much as he hates our sin and he would rather rid us of our sin so he is angry, slow to anger because of his love for us. His love is steadfast, it says in there. It doesn't change based on his moods or how worthy we might think we are on any given day. It is settled. Some days we feel more loving than others, don't we? Some days we're just like, ugh, I'm not in the mood to love anyone or anything today. Just stay out of my way. We've all had those days don't go close to dad he's a little cranky today thank goodness god the father is steadfast in his love not moody never changing the same day after day after day psalms 103 13 says as a father shows compassion to his children So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. When I see one of my kids suffer, my heart changes. Even if their suffering is their own fault, sometimes we have the thought, man, I would rather take the pain than my kids. Have you ever had a kid where you say, don't jump off the couch, don't jump off the couch? What do they do? They jump off the couch and they break their arm or they break their leg. You're frustrated with them because of their disobedience. I told you a million times, don't jump off the couch. But in their pain and their suffering from that broken bone, your heart breaks for them. And you would say, I would rather me take that pain than them. Same way with God. The depth and length of God's love revealed in Scripture, it truly is shocking for us, And it's displayed through multiple stories in Scripture. But I chose what I think in our culture today will be the most um, shocking story of God's love for us to look at for just a few moments from the Old Testament. It's found in Hosea. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. And to give you a little background to this text, in the days of Hosea, the nation of Israel had completely rejected God. They had turned to every other thing to worship except God himself. They had completely abandoned God. God had sent prophet after prophet to pull them, to call them back to worship him, but yet they rejected. So God gives us this story in the Old Testament of the prophet Isaiah that illustrates his love for us it was his love for the nation of Israel we can take it today his love for us and we are going to look at how we as a people are in this story let's look at it in Hosea chapter 1 verse 2 when the Lord first spoke through Hosea the Lord said to Hosea go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom." For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Let's stop right there. Now, how would you like to be someone in seminary? You know, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a missionary. I want to go and do this work for the Lord. And the the Lord comes to you and says, I want you to go marry this prostitute. That's essentially what was happening to Jose here. I want you to go marry this prostitute who is going to continually cheat on you. Continually cheat. Hosea has to be one of the most underrated heroes of the Bible because he does exactly what the Lord says. He goes and he marries a prostitute named Gomer. And he doesn't just go through the formalities. Scripture says that he really does, from his actions, he falls in love with her. They have children together. But soon after they marry, she cheats on him and evidently leaves him for a man that is abusive to her and does not provide for her needs. Throughout the book of Hosea, Hosea pleads with his wife to come back home and be with, them, be with him and the children, but she will not do it. His love for her is so deep, even though she's living with another man, Hosea gives money to that man so her needs can be taken care of. But she stays blind to the fact that the money that is coming to take care of her needs is coming from Hosea. Eventually, this man sells her back into the sex slave trade, and God appears to Hosea A second time and tells Hosea go buy her back you can imagine Hosea saying God are you serious go buy her back she was mine she put herself in this situation this is all her own actions I loved her I gave her a home And you want me to go by her back. Hosea chapter 3. And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. Hebrew scholars tell us what this scene would have looked like The slaves would have probably been stripped down naked so the buyers could see what they were getting. Imagine this scene. Hosea standing there in front of his wife who has left him again and again being bidden on by men who would again mistreat her. And Hosea says, I'll top the highest bid. I'll take her. She's mine. God, in this story, is trying to reveal to the nation of Israel his love for them. He says, Hosea, you and I have given our hearts to people who will utterly reject us time and time again. We're going to spend our time and our effort going after them. Until you experience that, Hosea, you will never understand how my heart works. And this is how God reveals his love. To us. How he reveals his love about you. This is, in fact, how God feels about us. In fact, Gomer's name, it means in the Hebrew, Gomer means completion. God's love and happiness cannot be complete until he saves us. You think about every time. Our rebellious hearts sin against a holy God. It is an act of rejecting him. Every time our hearts are desiring something more than God, it's an act of adultery against a God who loves us so much. But yet time and time again, God, in his love, he goes and he redeems us. Just like Gomer. The great pastor Charles Wesley, in the 1700s, one of the founders of the Methodist Church, as he was wrestling with this love, he wrote this Old hymn that I used to sing as a kid in church, and it's in the old English, but man, it still grips my heart. I've been whistling this tune all week as I've been thinking about this message. It says, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died He for me? Who caused His pain? For me, who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? I wanted to sing it this week, but my wife and kids suggested that I not. So if you want me to sing it later, I'll sing it for you. It's a, it's a great, go look it up. You can see it on, I hear it on YouTube. The, the verses for the following, the words for the following verses are just so rich and so good and so moving in your heart. Donald B- Gray Barnhouse put it like this. The pursuing love of God is the greatest wonder of the spiritual universe. When we see the love at work through the heart of Hosea, We may wonder if God is really like that, but he is. Think about it. Many years later, he would give man the trees of the forest and the iron of the ground. He gave them the ability to form the iron into nails and to fashion those trees into a cross. Then he stretched out his hands upon that tree and allowed us to nail him there. And in doing so, he took our sins upon himself this is our god and there was no one like him and i think that's the driving thing i want you guys to get out of this series name above all names this is our god and there is no one else like him no one so as we finish up i have a few questions for you this morning do you believe in the steadfast love of the Father. You see, these stories are about you, about his love for you. You and I are the gomer in the story that he won't, that he cannot let go. God cannot let go of us no matter how much we reject him. And like Gomer, he took you when you were naked and ashamed and bought you back and clothed you, not with clothes of unrighteousness, but with the righteousness of Christ because of his death upon a cross for us. Is there anything that should give you more confidence in the steadfast love of God for you? Sometimes you might say, I can't feel the love of God. We've all gone through difficult times in life, struggles and valleys where we would say, I can't feel the love of God. There are days that we just don't feel it. On those days, I choose to believe it because of what I saw Jesus do at Calvary. On the night before Jesus died, as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he became deathly afraid. And we've talked about this numerous times during the Easter time He became so afraid of taking upon the wrath of God for us that scripture says that he began to sweat drops of blood. God showing Jesus what he was about to go through on the cross. Why would God do that? Why? The great writer Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher said, it was so we could see Jesus... Go to the cross voluntarily knowing full well what he was about to experience so that his love for us would be put on display even more. God allowed Jesus a glimpse into what he was going to experience there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus chose it anyways. Why? Because he loves you that much. That's why. Our perception of the love of God is not based on how I feel at the moment or how my life is going. It is based on how God sought me and bought me and forgave me at the cross. If you base your perception of the love of God on your feelings, so we can't live a life based around our feelings or our circumstances, you're never going to feel secure You base it on the settled work of Jesus Christ on the cross and know that was the ultimate act of love that no one could ever top. That will become the rock and the anchor for your life in any storm. You see, listen, you may not understand why he does or does not do certain things, let me confess something to you i don't either i don't i don't understand everything that god does you know this last week we had a little scare in our family um you guys know my brother-in-law ray he was here a couple of years ago and spoke for us and my sister-in-law christy it's rachel's brother um he texted us texted the family group we could go tuesday and said hey christy has been sick for a long or for about two weeks tested negative for covid We've, you know we don't know what's wrong so i'm taking her to the emergency room um so on tuesday night they ran a bunch of tests on her and they doctor came back and said after i guess well, they ran a cat scan on her and said you've got cancer all through your abdomen and of course, you know, Christy's 47, kid in middle school, kid in elementary school. And just a shocker to our family. Um, the rest of last week was very, very hard. We did not know what that looked like. The doctor, of course, the oncologist does not want to diagnose without a biopsy and all of that. But he said the initial of what we are seeing, because she has a huge mass on her colon that spread to her spleen and to her pancreas, uh, he says, My initial thought before the biopsy is stage four colon cancer. Ray got up at his church last week and shared with Bethel Yukon that Christy is struggling and that the diagnosis does not look good. So we, as a family, the people of bethel Yukon there started praying. I wanted to share with you guys last week, so you guys could be praying as well, but I didn't think it would be right to share with them before Ray was able to share with his church, so I figured I'll have to wait a week. Um, I wanted to share with you guys today. So we have been praying. They did the biopsy, did a colonoscopy, and the oncologist came back and said she has Hodgkin's lymphoma B-cell, and he said it is 100% curable and so yeah praise god so she'll be four or four months worth of chemotherapy but he says he's 100 percent sure that he believes that he can kill he can get all the cancer you know through all, all of that last you know those seven to ten days were very tough on our family my wife was really struggling you ask this question a lot of why does God do these things? You know, why cancer? But what you come back to over and over and over again is that you can trust the revelation of his love and scripture. And that even in your pain and suffering, God loves you. So question one, do you believe in the steadfast love of the Father? Number two, have you embraced his love for you? He won't force it on you. You have to choose to receive it. You see, salvation is a gift. It's a gift that is freely given, found in a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not just believing, but it's trusting in him personally and making that decision to say, I want to follow you. Christian, are you renewing yourself in the reality of God's love for you daily? If you see God only as a judge, you'll pull away. That's why, again, people who say, God, I get, but what's the big deal about Jesus? They see God as a judge, a creator, and they never feel the warmth and the intimacy of God because they do not understand Jesus and what Jesus did in his ultimate act of love. When you know that someone loves you unconditionally, you feel that intimacy with them. That's why some of you feel no emotion toward God. You know him only as a creator and a judge and not as a father, a loving father and a savior. Only when you see that you are Gomer and he pursued you, will you really develop those affections for God. Knowing the love of God for us in Christ produces love for God in us. My last question, have you sensed his love for others? We are to love as God loved us. Often I say this, but there's just no way to experience mercy and love like this and not be changed. Those who believe the gospel, they become like the gospel. They become merciful. Remember, mercy in that scripture was equaled compassion and then the grace is the action. The mercy is the feeling. The grace is the action, it says in Luke 6:36, "Be merciful as your Father in heaven is mercy. So has your mercy, has your feelings become gracious? The actions have they led to the actions toward others? When the world around you, Those that get under your skin. Those that drive you crazy at work. Or even those that you love dearly. Those family members who you hold close to your heart. Have you told others about Jesus? How could you know the love of God for someone and not tell them? How could you know of this wonderful amazing God and not tell them is there someone you need to forgive like Christ forgave you this love of God is so deep and so wide may our hearts be consumed with it may our hearts find security in it and may we be comforted in it